If you have God's word, I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Peter, and we're going to get to uh, uh, chapter 1, looking at verses 3 and 4 in just a bit. But first, I, I want to show a picture up here. Um, I think I have a picture there. Yeah, there, there it is. Um, this, is my, this is our grandbaby. This is Riley. <laughs> and, of course, that's our son, Remington, and our daughter-in-law, Jackie. And we're going to get to see them in a, about a week and a half, so we're excited about that. Um, and so, you know, what's the purpose of showing this? Well, I, you know, I don't need a purpose to show you a picture of my grandchild, do I? I'm a grandfather, so I can do that. But really, uh, and that's okay, I'm done with the picture, but um, uh, I, I was uh, thinking about my, my grandchild, our grandchild, and... And I was remembering when she was first born and just loving on her and holding her close and, of course, kissing the top of her head. And I was reminded, I mean, we have three children, but they're all grown now. But, you know, having this new grandbaby in my arms and kissing the top of her head, I was reminded of that soft spot on top of a baby's head. How many know what I'm talking about? And uh, and so I kind of became curious about that. And so I talked to Janet Crow, Dr. Crow. She's a pediatrician. And professor, and uh, so I emailed her and said, "Hey, tell me about the soft spot." And she explained to this layman that you know the reason that's there. I mean, we are wonderfully and beautifully made. Those are her words, you know, quote in scripture. And, uh, and 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 she says it's so wonderful and beautiful how God made us and babies because uh, otherwise, you know, if that soft spot was not there and the skull was not flexible, the child couldn't make it through the birth canal. So that's one reason. Another reason is that the brain is still growing, right? And so, the, you know, the skull needs to continue to be flexible and grow. And so, you know, and then eventually, of course, it fills in and becomes hard. And so she gave me some really great responses. Thank you so much, Dr. Crow, for, you know, letting me have a clue uh, as far as the soft spot goes. Um, but there's no question that spot is vulnerable. It's a vulnerable spot, and we need to be careful with it. So if you'll permit me, the parallel for my message this morning is that I think sometimes we have soft spots in this faith that we have, that we hope and we dream will, will be passed on to the next generation. I mean, we have these, these areas that I think become vulnerable, you know, these, these, these theologies that sometimes... You know, become these danger zones, and it's maybe different with different generations, whether you're a boomer or a buster or a millennial or, or maybe even Gen Z that's coming up. And maybe as we go, you know, and move forward into the younger generation, you know, maybe it's more progressive in nature. You know, these areas that become, you know, we become vulnerable in, in our thinking, especially in the climate of our, our, our society today. And I think one soft spot to be careful with is tolerance. I mean, the idea of tolerance, I mean, that's kind of being pushed our direction in regards to, again, our culture. But I quote this one man, he was preaching about this, and he says this about tolerance. He says, tolerance flies in the face of the gospel because it is apathetic to both brokenness and holiness. Until we recognize the need for brokenness, we will struggle with the call that God gives everyone to be holy. And so I think we sometimes we we have it in our minds that, you know, affirming the individual means that we have to affirm their sin. But this is the poison of, of, of progressiveness, which which causes some of us to to accept sins of others in the name of loving them for who they are. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I, I don't have to you know teach theology or theologians. But the problem with this or the problem with tolerance 
is when we accept people for who they want to be. Now listen to this. For when we accept people for who they want to be, we neglect people, the person God made them to be. Jesus, I mean, Jesus is the standard, right? I mean, Jesus is the prime example of another's but, but he never projects tolerance in his life. He never portrays, you know, tolerance because he is transforming, right? I mean, Jesus is transforming and he touches people and, and then their lives are beginning to be changed and, and they turn that 180 and they walk from their sin and, and, and then they're transformed by the power of God and their lives are never the same again. And maybe it's a miracle that happens in their life. But there's definitely something that happens when they encounter the living Christ and the power of God falls upon them. In fact, I, uh, I, I quote one writer in the Bible, in the scripture, that, that, that writes, I will remind you, O beloved children of God, that Jesus himself said that the world will hate you because of your love for him. And in fact, Jesus' own words in John 15 and looking at verse 18, uh, he, he, he said, he spoke and said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So you can love the world like Jesus loves the world and still be hating. I mean, this is not a lightning bolt of information. We understand that. We, we really do. See, your advocacy for Christ should never come at the expense of your relationship with him. Does that make sense? Your advocacy for Christ should never come at the expense of your relationship with him because sometimes we give up our advocacy for him in order to be relevant, in order, okay, we've got to connect, you know, we've, we've got to make sense. And, and sometimes we give up our advocacy for him because of, you know, maybe some other, you know, motivation that's there that's kind of resting possibly in the back of our mind. But think about what the gospel promises. It does not call out and say, hey, come as you are and then stay as you are. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't call us, you know, to him or unto himself like that. I mean, you see, I think the gospel would be disappointing if that were the case. I mean, it is a call of transformation and mercy and the image of that of Jesus Christ and the image of, of God, of course, that becomes flesh and, and that we're to live like Christ and we're to lift up Christ and glorify Christ. Amen. And so we have this, this danger zone or this soft spot, so to speak, that sometimes we are tempted by because of, you know, the pressure, maybe the outside pressures, you know, beyond theology that is affecting us, which kind of leads us to another soft spot. And I'm using that term loosely, obviously, but that is neglecting theology. And I know I'm meddling just a little bit this morning, but it seems that there is this, this trendy message among Christians these days where they think or they say, I don't need theology, I just need Jesus. <laughs> and that sounds so Christian, you know, to say, I, I don't need theology, I just need Jesus. But the problem here is Jesus and theology are not exclusive. They are not standalone ideas. Jesus and theology are, are dependent on each other. And it's really kind of simple. Again, I'm not trying to teach you any theology here, but think about it. I mean, the more that you love Jesus Christ... The more that you just really passionately love Jesus, the more that you want to get to know him and the more that you, you get to know him through understanding his theology and what he teaches us, the more that you love him. And then the more that you love him, the more that you want to know about him. And there's this wonderful, glorious cycle that happens that's so bountiful in the grace of God of getting to know Jesus Christ. Not like very unlike the cycle I experienced when my mom and dad left the house when I was six years old. 
And my brother, remember, who's six years older than me, put me in the dryer. This is a true story. Put me in the dryer and turned it on. It was the dry cycle. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Not like that cycle. This is better than that. (laughs) I can testify. And this, this understanding who Jesus Christ is and, and understanding theology. And, of course, as you well know, Theo is God. And, 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 of course, you know, logic is study. So we're studying God, the study of knowing Jesus more. Theology is not a word that, that we keep on the shelf so that, okay, you know, we'll bring it down because we're having Bible study. And now I'll think of theology. Or it's not just because, you know, we're going through uh, ordination and now I'm going to use theology because I'm going through, you know, ordination. And then I stick it back up on the shelf. You see, that's not it. And I know I'm being a little adamant here, but theology is our lifeblood in getting to know the Savior that we love. I mean, it's important that we we embrace theology. You see, that's as crazy as as one writer said, that's as crazy as saying that you love your wife. (laughs) And you say, honey, I love you, but I don't want to really know you. I don't want to know about your qualities or your 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 characteristics or, you know, all the uh, you know, all the things about you. I mean, it's crazy to say that you really love somebody and that you don't want to get to know them. You see, theology moves us out of the wishy washy zone and it moves us into the yeah zone <laughs> where we have faith like the believer and the believer has faith because we want to know Jesus who loves us and we want to know the savior i mean in fact jesus himself the theologizes in the sermon on the mount when he talks about being salt and light and he talks about surpassing righteousness and man i can't think of anything more theological than that idea there that concept of what it means you know to know the surpassing righteousness of our father in heaven and he's writing about that or really preaching about that in the sermon on the mount or how about this right relationships all in the sermon on the mount right relationships with neighbor and spouse And now we think of maybe the Ten Commandments as he's talking about loving your enemies and and yes, even social justice and where to place heavenly eternal value in life and how to be honest and true and wise and how to treat your enemies. I mean, he's theologizing about all this stuff and he's, he's covering the ground and even how to remember the position of our father in heaven as we pray as Jesus taught us our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Recognizing, you know, our Father in heaven. Jesus is the spectacular, massive, bountiful gate of fulfilling the law like never before the incarnation. (laughs) And man, what a deal, the incarnation. I mean, the the whole idea of, of God becoming flesh reminds us that God has a soft spot, too, not in a vulnerable way. I mean, because he's he's God, but 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 it's a soft spot that that has been anchored in the cross of Christ. I mean, get that. It's a soft spot that is the revelation of the heart of God. It's a revelation of who God is. and It's his tenderness towards us. It's love towards us. It's the God that is waiting on us. It's God's, you know, soft spot. And by the way, if you haven't caught it, his soft spot is you. He loves you. In fact, we go to first Peter. Let's turn there. Let's take a moment this morning and we're going to go to first Peter chapter one. Again, that's our text today. And I think you turned there already. First Peter chapter one. And we're going to look there at uh, verses 3 and 4. And uh, let's read that together, or I'll, I'll read and you can listen. Um, blessed, 
Blessed be, of course, describing God. I mean, who is God? We understand him. So blessed be the God. This is who God is. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively. That's the living inspiration, you know, uh, living on inspiration part of it in to the lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what do we have here? We have, of course, that 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 inspiration by the living hope. But also we have this abundant mercy that he gives us that's anchored in the cross. That is anchored in the cross of Christ and this abundant, abundance of mercy is poured out upon us. You see, that's part of the living by inspiration part. It's bringing to us this bounty, bringing to us this, this God's mercy that we enjoy and that we relish as we experience who God really is and his mercy in our lives. And that mercy begins to pour over us and we rejoice in that. I mean, to understand his mercy. I remember about uh, 13 years ago, and the reason why I still remember so clearly is it just kind of was burned in my mind. It was an experience I'll never forget. And it was about 13 years ago. I just we just moved to Florida, the pastor there, and there's a stoplight about two blocks from our house, the house we had in Florida, and and I was I went through the intersection when the light was yellow. I mean, I think I made it, <laughs> but the police officer didn't think I made it. And so he pulls me over right away. I stop immediately within a half a block and he stomps back to the car and he gets my my driver's license and he takes it back to his car and he gets his ticket pad out. And then all of a sudden he turns around, he runs back to my car and he hands me the license. I got to go. And he jumps in his car, runs back to the car, jumps in, screeches and takes off. And I'm thinking, am I supposed to? Can I leave? (laughs) It's so sudden. I'm like. What, what, what is there somebody else coming? I mean, I just I was just taken back, you know, and but obviously he had an emergency and he, you know, and I got off. Well, mercy is not getting away with sin. Mercy is not ducking accountability. Mercy is to know that you're you're vulnerable to know that you're guilty and to know that you're deserving of judgment. You see, instead of judgment, God extends you grace. Instead of judgment, God, he gives you mercy. Instead of judgment, God begins to pour his bounty upon you as you experience his mercy and his love in our life. And God is glorified in that. I love the story that's told by this one son. Listen to this. He writes, he says, years ago, my father coached a team of eight-year-olds baseball. He had a few excellent players and some who just couldn't get the hang of the game. Dad's team didn't win, did not win once all season. But in the last inning of the last game, his team was only down by a run. There was one boy who had never been able to hit the ball or catch the ball all season. With two outs, it was his turn to bat. He surprised the world and got a single, got on base. Well, the next batter was the team slugger. Finally, dad's players might win a game. Well, the slugger connected. And as the boy who hit the single ran to second, he saw the ball coming towards him and not so certain of baseball's rules. The runner catches the ball and therefore it is an out and his own team loses. He says, I looked at my dad and I could see the wheels turning and immediately dad turns around and says to the team, cheer. 
cheer. And, and the boys are looking and they start to cheer and they start to clap and they run out on the field and lift the little guy up. And the guy just beamed, the little boy just beamed. And the parents never forgot that. You see, the kind of, you know, affection, the kind of mercy, the kind of love that father showed. That's the kind of love that God shows us. And here's what I'm saying. Even when you're getting it wrong, God still loves you. Even when you're getting it wrong, even when you're off track, John, hallelujah, God still loves you. Even when you're messing up, dads, even when maybe your emotions are running high and you fly off the handle and there's this this thing called anger that happens. You see, even in the midst of that, God shows mercy and he helps us get back on track and he helps us to hear his voice. He helps us to follow his will. And, and, and all of a sudden we begin to realize that, that, that God has blessed us. And we realize as we know his mercy and the bounty of the mercy that, that pours down upon us. And this is the kind of inspiration we can live on because we realize that we are blessed. We are we realize that even the breath that we have in our lungs is because of the blessing of God. And that all blessing flows from our Father in heaven. And what do we read in scripture? His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't know what you've been faced with. But I know this, that our Heavenly Father has given us the gift of life. He's given us the gift of breath. He's given us this ability that we have to think and to live and experience life. But He's also given us the ability to know Him. And I don't know what kind of mercy that you need in your life right now. I mean, I haven't written the end of the sermon because I, I didn't know how to end this, Paul. Because I believe that God's mercy endures forever. And it's possible that you need mercy in your life right now. And you need to experience God's mercy And you need the abundance of his mercy. And you know what it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, guys. Because you need mercy. And you need God's forgiveness. You need God's bounty in your life. And I believe that as we rise and we move in new directions, Sunday school or maybe it's lunch or whatever, that I believe that we are missing it if we do not leave this morning completely full of his mercy and his bounty and the joy that is ours because of knowing who Jesus Christ is. God loves you this morning. He wants to show you mercy today. He wants you to be able to leave full of his abundance and his glory this morning. I want to invite us just to bow our heads. Just stay seated right there where you're at. I'm going to have the worship team come. And, and, and with your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody moving around but the worship team. I, I, want to, I don't want us to miss what it is that God wants to do because I believe that God wants to fill us up. I believe that he wants us to receive his bounty. I believe he wants us to know that his mercy endures forever. And even right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and whatever it is that you're, you're going through in life. Maybe you've been doubting yourself. Maybe it's something that you've been tempted with. Maybe it's, it's just the fact that, that maybe there's a bitterness that's kind of settled deep, deep inside of you, this bitterness. For whatever reason, it could be health, it could be circumstances, And you know you've been living under the shadow of this bitterness. God wants to show you mercy. 
God wants to just bless you today. He wants to fill you up. He wants to set you free. He wants you to leave full this morning of his mercy. To leave full. Precious Father in heaven, with the, our, our heads bowed and we're just worshiping today, Father. Even in listening to your word is an act of worship. Receiving your word is an act of worship. And so, Father, as we are worshiping you this morning and receiving the word, I pray, Father, that that you would pour. No, thank you, Father, for pouring your mercy out on us. Thank you, Father, for, Lord, the abundant mercy that endures forever that you want us to experience. And I pray right now, with our heads bowed and us worshiping you, Lord, I pray that you would hear that prayer. That one right now that's whispering under their breath or maybe in their mind's eye. They're whispering. They're saying, yes, Lord, I need your mercy. Lord, I need your forgiveness right now. I need your holy touch this morning, Jesus. I need your mercy. Fill me, Father. Fill me fully, completely this morning, Jesus. May I not miss it. May I not walk out of this space, Lord, without knowing that you filled me up. And Lord, your joy has become complete in me. And so, Lord, I whisper this prayer. I think this prayer right now. Everybody do that. Worship the Lord and think your prayer. Worship Jesus right now. Say, Lord, I need your mercy. Confess to him right now. Worship him right now as you're praying for him to feel you, to touch you, to bless you. He wants to do that. He wants to inspire you today. We worship you, Father. We thank you for hearing these prayers. We thank you, God, for your goodness, the bounty that flows from your throne. All of it comes from you, Father. We recognize that. We honor you for that. And we thank you. And so, Father in heaven, I just pray that your spirit would just rush in right now and just cover this congregation and this church. And that you would rush in and cover that person right now, that individual that they know in their heart of hearts they need your mercy. Thank you, Father, for hearing that prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your touch. Thank you, Father, for your holiness. We worship you. We pray all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.